I am Elder C. Ward, and um, each of the elders, we have been charged to talk about the story of the birth of Jesus, all right? And uh, I'm starting this off with the wise men, the wise men. And in the Bible, they were known as the Magi. That's uh, their pronunciation in Hebrew. And um, when we think of wise men, we usually think these are like just really, really smart people. But there were actually a lot more than that. These were uh, experts in astrology and dream interpretation. These are uh, men that were highly sought after. They were king advisors. When a king died, um, the Magi were, were responsible for selecting the next king. They, these were um, men that were well financially um, in high positions. They were highly esteemed and uh, valued. In, in, in other words, um, they were, you know, like today's modern uh, high-value man. Can I get an amen, ladies? <laughs> Now, as we aspire, as we aspire to, um, as we each in our lives are excelling to uh, be, uh, rise to a place like the Magi, I want us to ask ourselves the question, um, how did they get there? And I want to give you the answer by uh, changing their title for a minute and calling them uh, God chasers, okay? Now, they were God chasers in three ways. First, they were really established uh, and knowledgeable in the word of God, meaning they didn't just see a star and, and they, they knew where to look. They knew how to discern the times. There was scripture ri uh, written and prophesied about the coming Messiah, so you had to be knowledgeable in the word of God, uh, too. They were worshipers, all right? They were worshipers. Now, they worshiped uh, the Lord in two ways. The Bible says when they um, came and saw the Lord, they, uh, the, the, uh, Jesus, they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, this is not just merely lip service, okay? But um, it, they, it's a heart posture. Worship is a heart posture. I want you to remember that. Uh, during Jesus, um, his, during his ministry, he said that these people worship me with their mouth, with their heart is is, is far from me. Now, God is still interested in the heart of man. He's still interested in the heart of man. Now, there were also worshipers by bringing gifts. They didn't just, um, they even, uh, in their journey, they went to find the Lord to worship him with their um, mouth, but they also gave gifts to the Lord. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this part on giving gifts because uh, later on in the Bible, uh, the, um, the Lord told Mary and Joseph to flee and go to Egypt and stay there. Now, there was nobody there. They didn't know no one. You know, Uncle Clarence and Aunt, you know, Kim weren't there to welcome them into the household. Stay with us. No, they didn't know anybody. So what uh, this, they're, they're giving funded their, their, the very mission of God. They're giving funded the very mission of God, and I want y'all to understand that. It's our giving that's going to, God is still interested in souls. He's still interested in reaching out to people, saving the lost, reaching the hurting, the dying, and the sick. And what better way to fund the mission of God than to give to the house of God? And thirdly, thirdly, they were, um, they were led by the Spirit of God before they left. Uh, the Lord gave the uh, Magi instructions. He said, uh, don't go back to where you came from. 
So they have to be led by the Spirit. So what am I concluding that um, uh, to be to, in all you're pursuing, we're pursuing our degrees, we're uh, looking to better our lives financially, uh, not just for ourselves, for our families, for our church. As we're pursuing and bettering ourselves, I want you to understand that don't forget about your first love. Remember who brought you here. Remember the one who cares for you, the one, the one who's giving you life, the one that desires for you to elevate to that place of a magi amen so keep on pursuing god don't forget about him keep keep him first keep him in your heart and watch him elevate you to the place that you are desiring amen good morning encounter atlanta good morning good morning i am elder k and my topic is mary I will be referencing from the scriptures of matthew 1 18 and luke 1 who is Mary? Mary was the mother of Jesus. She was a Jewish girl that became engaged around 13 or 14 years old. She became betrothed to Joseph. In that time, engagement was synonymous to marriage. Engagement was understood to be as binding as a marriage covenant. Therefore, a legal divorce was required to withdraw from the agreement. Why did I give you that background? Because according to Matthew 1, starting at verse 18, Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph had never laid with Mary. It goes to talk about how Joseph, the husband of Mary, planned to divorce her when he found out that she was pregnant. And the angel of the Lord came to tell Joseph that the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph considered to not divorce Mary and take her home. Sometimes the Holy Spirit must come and talk us out of our own decisions. The Holy Spirit is our helper and he knows best. Mary was favored by God. She was open to the Holy Spirit, and that's why God favored her to carry Jesus Christ, the one who would come and die for our sins so that we may have eternal life. Number one, it's time to be open to the Holy Spirit and closed off from what opposes the word of God over your life. The Lord says, I have called you for such a time as this. No longer are you barren in 2023. God is about to plant something in you that will be uncomfortable. But the Lord says, I am with you, just as he told Mary. The Lord says, the wait is over. In 2023, get it done. It's time to birth what God has planted in you. Some of us have been carrying way too long. The Lord says, push and birth. Encounter say, push and birth. Write the book. Come on, write the book. Finish the classes. Encounter, go above and beyond in serving and sowing. Get it done. For some of you, God is saying, sanctify yourself. Become holy again. Mary was a virgin who supernaturally was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. God is about to supernaturally sanctify your mind. God is about to supernaturally sanctify your emotions, your heart, your lower parts. Mm -hmm. The reason why you can't fulfill the assignment on your life is because ungodly seed is blocking it. 
the Lord says, become holy again. Pray again, get into the word again, so again, so that God can use you to fulfill his purpose in the earth. That's my time. I love you, Encounter, and Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. That was amazing. Good morning, Encounter, and again, Merry Christmas. I'm Pastor San, and I'm tasked to talk about the star. Uh, We traditionally know the star as the star of Bethlehem, a.k.a. the bright and morning star. But for reference today, I want to call it his star. I will be coming to you from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then verses 9 through 10, NLT version. And it reads, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands in Jerusalem came asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So I love research, and in my research, researching about the star, I became very perturbed at some of the doubt that I had seen from these scientists doubting the star that our God, our Father, ordained to come for this moment. Some of them say it wasn't even a real star, because stars do travel. They didn't debate that, but they debated the fact that the star stopped at a certain place because stars traditionally travel but they just don't stop but how many of you know that we serve a mighty God and he is sovereign and he can do whatever he decides to do whenever he wants it according to Job 38 God asked Job can you direct the movement of the stars no we can't direct the movement of the stars but guess who God can and so he assigned this particular star for these wise men to find the Messiah Now that we have proven that the star is indeed real, let's talk about what the purpose is and how it is relevant to us in today's time. In Matthew 2 and 2, we see that the wise men were solely looking for the newborn king. They had studied the stars. They had studied Old Testament prophecy, so they knew that the Messiah was getting ready to come. They simply wanted to worship him. We find that in Matthew 2 and 2. And the word worship in this particular context means proskuneo in the Greek. It means to kiss the hand towards the one in token of reverence. It also means to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. Have you kissed someone that you love so much? Have you ever given your heart to someone that you love so much and you're in it ignites a fire into you? That's what worship is. Worship is to ignite a fire in us when we kiss and touch the hand of God. When we give him profound worship, that's what worship is. And that's all the wise men wanted to do. They wanted to worship the Messiah. So after they saw that the star had stopped over the place where the, king, where the newborn king resided, they were filled with exceeding joy, the Bible says. The word great in the Greek is called magos, and it's meaning used with intensity, 
of the affections and emotions of the mind and natural events powerfully affecting the senses. When I first read this, I was like, okay, God, break this down. So in my mind, I pictured David. When David danced before the Lord, he did it with great intensity. It invoked emotion so much so that he danced out of his clothes and people saw him and were excited. That's what the word great means. So we should have great, exceeding joy when it comes to our Savior. I want to ask you, does Jesus still excite you today? Are you excited still? Are you still following him? Lastly, I want to leave you with this. As you're preparing for your 2023, 2023, I want to ask a few simple questions. Who will you allow to guide you in 2023? Will it be Facebook? Will it be Instagram? Will it be your boo? Who will you be following in 2023? Who will you be worshiping in 2023? Wise men and women worship the king. That's what the wise men did. Will you have exceeding great or intense joy beyond the church service what happens after church it's easy to have joy in here with your fellowship and with believers but what happens outside of church will you still have joy will jesus still be able to bring you joy lastly i want to encourage each and every one of you to let your new year begin following the path that god has set for you i want to encourage you to posture yourself to worship more this year to worship more. He's worthy to be kissed. He's worthy to be reverenced. Remember, worship touches the heart of God and excites us. Will you make the decision today to commit to following Jesus, who is the bright and morning star, according to Revelation chapter 22? If I could sing this morning, I'd sing this song that I remember singing when I was a little girl, and it's called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. No turning back. He's been too good to me. So I want to encourage you to follow Jesus today. Let Jesus be the star that guides you in 223. Amen. Hallelujah. They want me to come up after that. She sang a song. Good morning, Encounter. Good morning, Encounter. Elder San, I bless you. That encouraged me. Uh, So, Merry Christmas again, y'all. I've been charged to talk about the gifts that were presented to Jesus. And so, if we can pull up the scripture reference, I'll be coming from Matthew 2 and 11, and it's the NIV. Do we have it? And I'll go ahead and start reading. It's on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. Those gifts were of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so really quickly, I want to highlight the importance or the significance of each of these gifts. Gold, it was the medal of royalty. It literally signified that you were in the presence of a king. So if you're walking around and you see someone that, with a crown on their head, you're able to easily spot them and say, oh, they're of royalty, right? Um, frankincense given to the high priest. It was a spice that was burned in the tabernacle. During times of worship, they had live sacrifices 
sacrifices placed on the altar. And so what they did was they used frankincense to clean up that aroma, to freshen it up as Pastor Mal sprays the Febreze and everything else that we spray in the sanctuary to make our environment smell good. That's what the frankincense did. And then there was myrrh. You see myrrh being used again in John 19 and 38. And so if we know about where John 19 and 38, like what we're talking about, Jesus has passed on, right? And uh, Nicodemus, he actually brings myrrh to the embalming of Jesus. And so they use the strips of linen and then they use the myrrh and they place him in the tomb. So one of the uh, key things that I love to highlight about the Magi or, you know, the God chasers, as Elder Seward says, uh, they were experts in dream interpretation. Um, And so the gifts that they presented were actually a prophecy of his life. So the gold signified that he was going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he was going to shepherd and govern over all people. Secondly, they brought the uh, frankincense that signified his priestly calling and the fulfillment of that purpose. And then lastly, the myrrh signified that he would come to die for all of our sins. So... When I am extravagant in my giving, because uh, they talked about the wise men's gifts, and when I was studying what the gifts were, they were saying that they were huge. They weren't just little, small little trinkets and keychains and things like that. It was loads of luggage that they carried to present to Jesus. So imagine bringing a carry-on suitcase full of gold, full of myrrh, full of frankincense to the king of kings. Um, I thought that was amazing that it wasn't a small gift. It was a very large gift and there were several of them. So in closing, guys, I'll present to you that worship is connected to our giving. What gifts can we present Christ? Our gold can be our resources, our time and our talent to the house of God. May our frankincense be our heart for worship, praise and thanksgiving unto the father. And may our myrrh be a life fully devoted to the things of God. That that's our daily crucifixion, our heart, our willingness to be cut daily and die to our flesh so that we may have life and life more abundantly. We give him our life because he freely gave us of his. Uh, Psalms 141 and 2 says, let my prayers be accepted as a sweet smelling incense in your presence. Let the lifting up of my hands in prayer be accepted as an evening sacrifice. So encounter, just know that as we go into 2023, wherever there is incense, there's Jesus. And wherever Jesus is present, gifts are sure to follow. Wherever there is incense, Jesus comes. And wherever Jesus is present, gifts are sure to follow. So gifts can look like protection from death as he escaped the hand of Herod. It can look like provision for your life. It can look like miracles that you've never seen before. And it can look like provision for the rest of your days. May we all be like the wise men, eager to worship the Savior in extravagant giving. Encounter, I love you guys. That is all I have. Bless you. Good morning, Encounter. My name is Elder Court, and my topic is the escape to Egypt. And I will briefly discuss the significance of the manger, the place where Jesus was born. Go with me to Matthew 2, verse 13. Somebody shout, escape to Egypt. 
When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Go ahead and skip down to verse 19. And it says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Encounter, I say to you, get you a spiritual father that knows how to hide you when the king Herods of life come to snuff you out before you complete the assignment that God has over you in the earth. Somebody say sonship. God is serious about sonship. Understand that even though the Virgin Mary birthed Jesus, his genealogy is through Joseph. Go back and read Matthew 1. The angel referred to Joseph as the son of David and lets Joseph know that, yes, Mary will birth Jesus, but it is Joseph who will name him. Go ahead and ask yourself, who's naming me? So because of the fact that it, when it came down to giving instructions on escaping to Egypt from King Herod, the angel did not give the dream to Jesus, the son, though he was fully God and fully man. He was not yet mature enough to receive that level of instruction, nor did he hold the seat called father. And though Mary was instrumental in Jesus coming on the scene, the angel of the Lord did not give her the insight, oversight, or foresight about Herod, nor the strategy needed to escape him. He gave it to Joseph, the father, the one who names the son. You may ask, what's in a name? When a father names you, he does not name you what he wants to name you. He names you what God says that you are. So while we're here, I want to briefly talk about the significance of the manger. The manger is the place where sons are birthed. Go back and take a look at Luke verse or chapter two, verse seven. And it says, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. According to research, a manger is a structure that is used as a feeder to hold food for animals. How is it that the savior of the world was not born in opulence, but he was born in a place where they feed animals? Because sons are born in low places. We always say the sons are coming, the sons are coming. Oh, I want to be a son of the house, but we don't want to be cut. We don't want to stay low. We don't want to wait for God's timing. We don't want to say no. We don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want it. We want the throne, but we don't want pain. We want authority, but we don't want to submit to authority. But Jesus was born in a manger and he was born in a low place. So encounter to recap, get and stay connected to your Joseph. 
Because God gives him the strategy to hide you from every Herod that comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And remember that sons are not born in opulence. They're born in low places. God bless you.